in essence, it carries a great simplicity. We bring our worship to God, we open our hearts to him, and he speaks by his word. And uh, that is uh, to lay into us. It's not just for this morning, but it's to help us every moment of every day of our life. It's interesting that we spoke this morning about um, that old song which uh, resonated with us in terms of turning our eyes on Jesus, uh, that the things of this world may grow strangely dim. I've just been thinking on that this week in the sense that the things of the world, friends, really don't work. They really, really, really don't work. And uh, many of you have found that. Many of you looked at many things of what we would call the world and found that actually they were shallow, uh, they were vacuous, uh, they were temporary. And uh, the things that really work are when we come to a place of allowing God to fill our lives with what only he can fill us with, and that is his amazing, amazing love. And the journey is that we'd find that love for the first time, but also that we'd live in that love which is the passion of this morning. Just a couple of things before we come to the word of God to encourage your hearts, uh, because we're, we're sort of okay for, for time this morning. We're, we're well in time. We're going to finish well before 12 o'clock, so that's going to be almost the first. But uh, just a couple of things to encourage your hearts about what God is doing in the earth. You see, friends, that we, we are in a battle. We talked last Sunday night in Mansfield about wrestling not against flesh and blood, and Sometimes people would lay things on us that seek to determine what they think God is doing in the earth. God is doing some amazing things in the earth. Next weekend, it was just a year ago this weekend that I had the joy of being in Cairo on a Sundays of God delegation led by Ron Hibbert to one of the most significant churches in the Middle East called Casa Aldebarra, right around the corner from Tahir Square where all the protests have been taking place. An amazing church is 7,000 people. Their Monday night prayer meeting attracts 1,800 people on a regular basis, full of young people worshipping the Lord, giving praise, reaching out to God. They are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Next week, they've got a camp setting about an hour outside of Cairo in Egypt at this very unstable political time. Lots of things taking place. 10,000 people will be at that camp to hear the good news of Jesus and to bring responses to God. God's building his church. And then this week I received a letter from the Bible Society, a wonderful work over many, many years that encourages particularly the spread of the word in all sorts of ways. And it was asking me for eight pounds, eight pounds to buy 10 Bibles in the language of the Chinese. And the reason for that is that earlier this year, the Chinese government gave permission for the printing of three and a half million Bibles to be used in the churches out there. And so... Uh, For eight pounds, I could purchase ten Bibles that would add to the the figure. You see, God is building his church. Some of you know the story of uh, missionaries having to literally flee for their lives, sort of post-war, as uh, China moved towards communism. But despite all that, thousands and thousands, indeed without exaggeration, millions and millions of people that love Jesus Christ with a passion. And I want to encourage us, friends, because what God's doing in Egypt and China, two very difficult places for the gospel, God can do in the UK. He's not giving up on the UK. I'm sure there are things that we do in the UK at times that break his heart, that perturb him, that trouble the heart of God. But if we'll open the door to God, God wants to do amazing things. And Brother Colin was saying to me just before the meeting that the way that God will do that is just through local churches. Local churches that pitch up every week, that preach the word, that worship the Lord, that engage with community. That's the way that God's going to do it. He's going to build his church. And this morning, as we come to the scriptures, I want to encourage your hearts uh, again to 
take hold of all that God has taken hold of us for. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 54. The two verses that we're particularly going to concentrate on over the next four weeks that really will then take us to the Advent season are verses 2 and 3. But I'm going to read verse 1 as well, just to lead us in. Familiar verses to many of you, and we've entitled the message Double XL, and I'll come to that in a moment or two. So it says, Sing, barren woman, you who get never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy for you who never, never in labor, because more of the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tents. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. The renewed call, friends, to Arena Church over these four Sunday mornings is a call to enlargement. It's a call to expansion, to encouragement. It's a call for us to be enabled in all that God has called us to be for such a time as this. And before we come to the text, a little background. Because we, our reading this morning is from... Isaiah, it's what's known as a major prophet, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And then at the end of the Bible, those 12 books that nobody reads called the minor prophets, Zechariah, Malachi, Hosea. I want to encourage you to read them sometime because they have a relevant word to today. They're not minor in terms of being unimportant. It's just that they're less in terms of what they say to a particular group. But here's the truth, friends. Over the history of time, God has always raised up men and women to have a relevant word to their generation. Always, always, always. When it seemed that people were dismissing the word and were deaf to the word, God has always raised up a prophetic voice that speaks the now word of God to the people of God. And here in Isaiah, we have a historical context for Isaiah speaking to the then people of God, the Old Testament The people of God that uh, were in a relationship, a special relationship with him. And he says in chapter 6 and verse 1, that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And some of you know that passage so well, how that Isaiah had a vision of God's holiness. And out out of that vision for God's holiness came a great sense of being committed to the will and purpose of God. And the book of Isaiah runs with some distinct themes. In chapters 1 to 39, It's primarily speaking about the judgment of God. And the judgment of God being expressed in invading armies coming from the north, particularly from Assyria, to rout the people of God. Now, lots of people nowadays think, well, we we like to hear of God as love, and he certainly is, friends. But the very love of God involves the justice of God. And God never turns a blind eye to wrong. That's why we've got a cross That's why we've got the Son of God on the cross. That's why we've got him giving his life for us. It satisfied the justice, the judgment of God. We don't have to be judged because Jesus has already been judged for us. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But in that Old Testament age, Isaiah was speaking firstly of judgment. But in chapter 40, there's something of a shift. And for the following 26, 7 chapters, it's more a theme of comfort and hope. In fact, so different is the essence of the message that some people have even thought there may have been two writers, and we're not going to go there this morning. But here's the truth. The name Isaiah literally means God saves. The ultimate message of Isaiah to the people of God was a message of salvation. It was a message of hope. 
It was a message that God could rescue and restore the people of the Lord. Now with Old Testament text, friends, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we're not misappropriating the verses to fit into our particular day. But I believe this. I believe that that was a prophetic word to the church then. But I believe, friends, that it's a prophetic call to the church now. When God speaks to us and says, enlarge the place of your tent, he's not talking about a literal tent. We'll come to that in a moment. But he's talking to the church of that call to expand and enlarge in all that God has called us to be. It's a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a message of justice. Came out of a real nine-month journey of seeking to find the heart of God in the next phase of the journey for arena. Not copycatting off Rick Warren or Brian Houston or some of the great church around the world, but finding out what God was saying to us. Articulating what God was saying to us in our context, in our situation. And one of the things that we did on one particular morning was to look at some of the verses that God had spoken to the church prophetically about over a season of the church. Here's one of the verses. Isaiah 54 verses 2 to 3. You see, God was speaking, friends, as he often did in the Old Testament, in imagery, in pictures. In the first verse, he says, sing by a woman. He wasn't literally talking there to a lady that hadn't been able to give birth to a child. He was singing to the people of God that even in a place that seemed barren, they were to bring their praise to the Lord because there was a season of fruitfulness yet to come. And I believe, friends, that however barren things have seemed to be in the church of Jesus Christ, and I had a good friend of mine the other week just rolling out statistics from his particular denomination about the decline of the church. However barren it seems to be, friends, we need to sing. We need to praise God. We need to lift our eyes to the Lord's. Because there is a fruitful day yet to come that will amaze all those that look on. So here's the challenge to a word that's been around the life of our church for a number of years. Do we allow that word to stay dormant? Or do we allow it to become a continual dynamic that we run to again and again and again and it fuels the journey that God's mapped out to us? I suggest that it's the latter. And that's why, friends, over these next three or four weeks, we're going to run again to a dynamic, prophetic, rooted word in the Scripture that is a word to Arena Church. The prophetic picture is clear as we come to Isaiah 54. That it's a time where God's calling people to advance, to take ground, and to believe for something new. Here's verse 2 in the Message Bible that uh, Eugene Peterson writes. It says, Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. I put in brackets there, friends, me listening to a preacher teacher the other week who said this. David, God's talking to him. David, think big or you will limit me. Arena Church, think big or else you will limit me. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. There are four elements to this message. One is lengthen that we'll look at next week. Then multiply. And finally raise up. And Christian will take those final uh, two messages. But this morning, the title of the message is strengthen. And it's particularly that phrase that we found at the end of verse 2. 
where it says, strengthen your stakes. Or as Peterson says, drive the tent pegs deep. And I believe, friends, that's a word for us that will help us be all that God wants us to do. Now, I did think about erecting a tent on the stage this morning just to help us a little bit. But I didn't think Christian would be too happy with me driving tent pegs into the stage. And, uh, and then I just had this vision that somehow uh, the tent would end up going down Bath Street and we think it was a huge balloon and there would be people in pursuit after the tent that had become unstable. So I thought I'd try and illustrate where we're trying to go this morning. Kevin, if you'll just come and help me a moment. Because God's into enlargement. If you just put that on, Kev, he'll get into this, no problem. That's small. But you see, he's, you know, he's ought to be like that again, you know. <laughs> but there's, there's not a lot of room for expansion. A little bit, but not a lot. It's pretty tight. Can anybody tell me the size of this one? Double XL, right? You've got to pull that one on as well. <sighs> now, you wear one of these when you're 50. <laughs> this, this, this is double XL. Plenty of room to grow, to expand, to develop. And friends, that's the heart of this morning. That so very often, just stay there a moment, Kev. So very often, we pitch up for small. We sign up for small in our Christian faith. In other words, it limits us, it restricts us. We protect what we've got, but we're not too bothered about taking hold of anything new. It constrains us. Friends, we can be limited geographically. We can be limited imaginatively. We can, never, we can never seem to dream the great things of God. We can be limited spiritually. In other words, we're walking around all the time with small on. And God says, that's not the heart of God. If you think small, you'll limit me. If you lose your sense of imagination of what God can do in this day, you'll limit me. If you stop praying for a move of God, you'll limit me. If you believe that God's got a destiny for everybody else, but not for you, you'll limit me. You're walking around in small. No, friends, the call is figuratively small. I'm not, expect, I'm not asking you to expand your girth to prove it. But the call figuratively this morning is that everybody wears double XL. Plenty of room to grow. Plenty of room to enlarge. Plenty of room to stretch. Plenty of room to think big. Why don't we give him a hand for helping us this morning? <laughs> You can keep the small. You can keep the small, all right. But I'll have the double XL back. I mean, it's even too big for me. I'm not sure you find that hard to believe. <laughs> That's a gift. <laughs> it's never been worn. So. Well, I couldn't wear it, could I? <laughs> Strengthen your stakes. Drive the tent pegs deep. I'm sure that we've got amongst us in the congregation this morning some committed campers. You know, as I was preparing the message this week, I thought about some camping context that I found myself in. Can anybody believe that I was a scout once? We used to call them Boy Scouts, but of course, 29th Nottingham, John Player School, come on. Patrol, patrol leader of the Kestrel Patrol, you know. <laughs> in a tent in the west coast of Scotland. How many of you know 
that when you go to the west coast of Scotland, there's only one thing you can expect. Rain. Rain, rain, rain. Oh, second thing. Meteors. Okay. Meteors. So we're in this bell tent and we were sat, we were sleeping head to toe around the edge of the tent because in the middle was water. All right. The tent filled up with water. It was a bell tent because it was shaped like a bell. <laughs> that hour extra sleep is really doing you good this morning. You're shot. And then on a couple of occasions, Sharon and me found ourselves in camping context in another church. After the second time, Sharon says, I am never going camping again. And do you know what? We never have, okay? I go to the open day, the graduation day at Mattisee every year, and it's held in a great big tent. We call it a marquee. But it can hold very nearly a thousand people. It's a huge tent. And so we could go on. Lots of context. People around this room, I mean, if you like camping, you've not been a camper until you've been flooded out, haven't you? You know, I mean, come on. You can enjoy the, that lazy, hazy, sunny days, but when, when, when the, the rain's pouring and the camp's being closed down, then that's real camping, particularly in this country. But the reality is, friends, that lots of those things go around our hearts. Here's the truth today. that The, the tent, the tent is... A place of protection. It's a place of security. There are many thousands of people in the world today, friends, millions of people where the tent is their home. It's the place of their establishment. It's the place of their dwelling. And if the tent becomes unstable and has the potential to fall away, then that has consequences on people that are seeking to camp and to dwell. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us about being stretched. He's speaking to us about being used. He's speaking to us about being advancing. And I want to say that he's not just speaking to me. He's speaking to many, many people in the life of the church. Strengthen the stakes. Enlarge the tent. Think big. So for a few moments, I want you to think about letting the tent pegs go deep. Strengthen your stakes. Here's three things on that thought. Number one, when we strengthen the stakes, when we let the tent pegs go deep, here's the first thing, it's, it's about setting clearly the grounds. Setting clearly the ground. How many have been camping and you've got your nice place coming and all of a sudden somebody comes, you're there and they come there, you think, well, this is going to be a great holiday, you know, they're so close. You know, and, 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 and the, the reality is that sometimes when we go to a place, you set the ground. The, the ground may be the back garden. How many dads have been here and thought it would been a great idea to camp with their children in the garden uh, on one beautiful summer's night? The only thing is the sub-zero temperatures and about half past eight in the evening, you decide it wasn't such a good idea after all and come back into the house. But we set clearly the ground. It says in Isaiah 54, that we are to clear lots of ground for the tents. I think, friends, that's an expression of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God cannot be bound, that the kingdom of God is forever increasing, that the kingdom of God is passed on from one generation to another. See, the kingdom of God is not about realm, territory. It's about rule, authority. It's about Jesus Christ ruling over our lives. That sets God calls local churches to put their tents down 
to drive deep the pegs because he calls Arena Ilkeston to be aware of the need of setting clearly the ground. There were many contexts in the Old Testament, particularly friends, where God gave his people land to possess. Sometimes they took it and sometimes they didn't. It was always because of unbelief. The principle still hasn't changed. If God will find a people of God that will really continually believe for him, that will clear lots of ground for the tent, that will think big, then God's able to come in an amazing way to minister in and through our lives. It's a call, friends, to enlarge the place of our tent. And it inevitably means that an expansion of our territory. And we're on a bit of a journey with that at the moment in Arena, uh, in, in Arena Church. Because uh, verse 3, which we're not going to go to this morning, of uh, Isaiah 54 says, spread to the left and to the right. And over recent times, that prophetic verse has continued to find some fruit within us about expanding, developing, planting. This M1 corridor and beyond. Believing that there would be people in the congregation of our church that would rise up and be people that would be pioneers and planters for the glory of God. You see, here's the challenge, friends. Here's the challenge. When a group of people called a local church come to a place of setting clearly the ground, it means firstly listening and praying. It means hearing the heart of God. Then it means going and establishing. Two and a half years ago, we went on a journey, a little less than that, first Sunday night in September, of seeking to re-establish a community of believers two sections up the motorway at Mansfield. I'd had the joy, in inverted commas, of running an uh, afternoon service for 10 or 12 faithful people. But the reality is, friends, there was only one way that church was going, it was south. It needed freshness, it needed a new vision, it needed leadership strengthen the stakes, clear lots of ground. And Christian, and myself praying, Christian being a Mansfield lad, spoke to me three, four years prior to that decision, saying I would love to do something for God in Mansfield. Listening, praying, but then going and establishing. Not just on one Sunday night, friends, where we got 140 to start with, but every week, every week, every week, every week. It's going to be dark tonight, we're hitting the dark nights. It's going to be dark when we get there, and it's going to be dark when we finish. And it's going to be like that for the next three months. When that bright fire looks beckoning, when there's that great match on the Premier League, when there's something taking place, friends, there are people pitching up because God's called us to think big. God's called us to set the ground. God's called us to do something for his glory. And we thank God that during that journey, people have been saved, people have been baptized, People have found a spiritual home. People have been prayed for. And there's so much more yet to do. You see, when we listen and when we pray, when we go and establish, it's costly and it's for the committed. But when we'll do that, something significant begins to emerge for the glory of God and for the praise of his name. The kingdom's not bound by territory, but God's called local churches to clearly set the ground for the territories that he's placed us upon, so that the kingdom may come and God's will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Setting clearly the ground. Secondly, when we let the tent pegs go deep, then it, it means that there is a sharing widely of the loads. 
are sharing widely of their own. You see, as the tent begins to be erected, it creates a tension. I use that word in the right sense of the word. Those of you that are from an engineering background will know that tension sometimes is not always a negative word. It's often nowadays in a stress-filled society when we mention the word tension. It's people walking around like this. Tense. You can feel it from 100 meters. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a tension that works. That makes things come together. And the tension begins to pull on the ropes. And it's only when all the pegs are deeply in the ground, holding the tension of the ropes, that the tent stays erect. In other words, friends, it needs your peg in the ground, as well as mine. It needs all of us, spreading widely the load. It does not need the left side of the tent to say, well, we're not going to bother anymore, because the right side won't be able to carry the loads. Needs all of us. The stakes starting to ping out of the ground means instability and potentially calamity. It's a picture, friends, of churches that seek to operate in a disunited spirit. Little wonder for the last 2,000 years that one of the main targets of the, church, of the enemy of our souls is to try and get the pegs to ping out of the ground. He knows, friends, that when people walk away, he knows that when people stop being united, he knows that when you stop bringing your contribution to the purpose of God, the potential is for devastation. And so he continually works at seeking to do that. Friends, going back to Lord Kitchener in the First World War, when he says your country needs you, your church needs you. And here's the lie that goes across the church of Jesus Christ over the years. I don't think I've got a contribution to make. I don't think that God's given me a gift. I don't think I've got anything to say. Friends, I want to say this morning, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, the very opposite. It says that those parts of the body, giving an expression of unity, that seem indispensable are all the more important. It may mean that you never preach from the front. It may mean that you are not gifted to play a musical instrument. It may mean that you've not got a public profile. That's nothing to do with it. You could be somebody, friends, that's praying. You could be somebody that's serving in a particular context. You could be somebody that's unobtrusively making an incredible contribution to Arena Church because your peg is deep, into the ground. I want to say, we need that. We need it, we need it, we need it. And I worry today, friends, when people are sometimes so obsessed in terms of our culture, 21st century culture, with image and with profile, that some people think that the only way they can serve the church is to be on the platform. And it's not true. I want to say, if your purpose is to be on the platform, you'll be on it. But don't define your ministry to the church simply by a public expression of ministry. We need you deeply in the ground. And I make no apology today to say, friends, that if we are going to see the tents continually standing strong, if we're going to break out to the right and to the left, if we're going to make lots of room for the, for, uh, lots of ground for the tent, then we need to do it with a spirit of togetherness. 
Don't be surprised if the enemy pushes back on this at times. Don't be surprised if he tries to create some issues that would potentially seek to create a spirit of disunity. We just have to pull him back. Let me go back to some ministry that I heard just a couple of weeks ago. A church that 25 years in its journey. Um, next year, 1,600 people in sleepy old Peterborough. And the reality is, here's one of the things that Pastor Dave Smith said about that. He says, we've never had a schism. We've never had a split. We've worked incredibly hard at the spirit of togetherness. An arena church, we need to continually work together hard for the spirit of togetherness. Not uniformity, not of all sort of seen eye to eye, not the same personalities. Thank God for the rich mixture of journey, of age, of experience, of, of perspective in the church this morning. But everybody's saying that my peg is in the ground deep and it's going nowhere. That builds a great tent. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 says, again, courtesy of Pastor Peterson. I don't want any of you sitting on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path to nowhere. I've put a bracket there because as I was writing this out during the week to prepare ministry, I felt the Lord give me just a a real sort of, uh, if you like, parenthesis. I felt the Lord say that that's for somebody here this morning. Listen again. I don't want you sitting on your hands. I don't want any of you strolling off down some pathway to nowhere. And I want to say that God said to somebody here this morning that the potential decision that you're going to make is a path to nowhere. And he simply says, don't do it. He goes on to say, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. If you feel that somebody's spoken to you inappropriately in the life of the church, friends, you can have a choice. You can jump into the spirit of offense and be in a barren place for weeks and months and years. So-and-so said that to me. How long ago? 15 years ago. Never been the same since. Or you can make another decision that says, do you mind if I have a word with you? And you put something right and you're quick at mending fences. That's how it works. That's the spiritual way, friends. The carnal way is to take the decision to be offended. And the proverb says that an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Have you ever met an offended spirit? It's absolutely true. Utterly unyielding to the spirit of God. It's not where God wants us to be. And so the cry this morning, friends, from the word of God is that this journey in this particular location as we set the ground for this particular territory, for such a time as this, needs your peg in the ground. It needs your consistency. It needs your contribution. And you shouldn't doubt it for a minute. Thirdly, friends, as we close, there was a setting clearly the grounds. There was a sharing widely the loads. And there was a sinking deeply of the stakes or the pegs. Let the tent pegs go deep. You see, here's the truth. The wider and higher the tent goes, the deeper the pegs need to sink into the ground. If you've got one of those little sort of things in the garden with two of you, you just, you just tread like that, don't you? you? You've pressed it in the ground. Nothing's going to go. 
But you start p- putting up one of these marquees. Have you seen the size of the stakes? And they've got a great big hammer that comes down, that drives them down, that pulls on the tension of the ropes. And I believe, friends, the prophetic call over Arena Church is not small. It's big. I believe the prophetic call over Arena Church is not retreat, it's advance. I believe the co- prophetic call over Arena Church is not to wear that little t-shirt that constrains us, but to get inside a double XL that will give us plenty of room for expansion. And it simply means this, that the challenge to our hearts this morning is that we need to allow the pegs to sink deeply into our world. See, God's glad when we make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. God's glad to know that if today we passed into eternity, that we'd know and have the confidence that we'd be with the Lord forever. But if I can be bold this morning, friends, it goes a lot deeper than that. You see, it's not about a saviour, it's about a Lord. It's not about simply someone that's rescued us, but someone that wants to rule over us. His name's Jesus. And the more we give ourselves to him, the more he fills us with himself. The more, if you like, we die to ourselves, the more we live to God, the more we lose our lives in him, the more we find freedom. And I believe, friends, that the call over our lives today is to allow God to go deep into our lives. And I sense that that's been something of the heart of our worship time this morning. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it talks about Jesus expressing the image of God. And the word there in the original language is where we get our word character from. And it's expressed in the sense that in the ancient days, and still today to some degree, if a craftsman, an artisan, uh, did a great piece of work, They would etch their name onto it or stamp their name onto it. It was their character. It was theirs. And here's the journey of the Christian faith, friends. God is not only after you becoming a Christian so that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. He's after you. He's passionate about you. He longs for your character to be shaped, to be honed, to be changed. He wants to drive deep into your life. He wants his stamp to be etched upon you so that other people would look on and say they've got the stamp of Jesus on them. What's that going to mean? Well, it means, friends, that he's going to want to drive deep about your values. Are they shaped by the Bible or are they shaped by the telly? It means, friends, he's going to drive deep with regard to your thought life, your motives, not only what you do, but why you do what you do. Because motives are weighed by the Lord's. He's going to drive deep about your words that Julie ministered on last week because words are powerful, releasing, emancipating, but they can also bind, hurt, and restrict. It means he's going to drive deep about your attitudes and your actions and your reactions. And he wants his stamp upon all those things so that he can go deep. You see, if we're going to know fruit work in the church, we've got to know root work. The, deep, the pegs have got to go deep. If we want to impact the outward, there's got to be something that touches the inward. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 to 7 says, As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live in him. Listen, rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith. I think that's an essence of what Isaiah was exactly saying. And in 2 Corinthians three sixteen to 17, he says, The passion of God is that the church of Jesus Christ would be transformed from one degree of glory to another. Many of you know that that word transformation in the original is where we get our word metamorphosis from. 
In other words, the bug becomes the butterfly. It's a process of change. And there are many people around this room today that could look back on their life before they became a Christian and see there's been a change. But there's more. There's more. There's more. There were a group of people some years ago, and they still meet in contexts like the Keswick Convention. They would come at things differently to us, but godly people. And one of their themes over those particular weeks would be simply this, a deeper life. They wanted the temp pegs to go deep. I want to tell you, friends, as I've expressed publicly from this church, we've had people walk away from this church because they don't want to go deep. They want to say shallow. They want to think small. The word's too challenging. We're not pulling back because God's digging deep. Here's Here's some quotes on character. Someone says, character's better kept than recovered. It is. Someone says, character is what you are in the dark. In other words, when nobody's looking. Someone says that no man, and listen to this, no church can climb or expand beyond the limitations of its character. Friends, if we don't go go deep in terms of our commitment to God, he's not going to do deep. It just works like that. He's going to find somewhere that will go deep so that he can build the tent that he wants to build. And someone says, you cannot dream yourself into godly character. You must allow the hammer and forge to work on your life to make you what God's called you to be. Bad attitudes, friends, got to go when God drives deep. Offended spirit, got to go when God drives deep. Lack of accountability to leadership, got to go when God drives deep. Unforgiveness over many years, got to go when God drives deep. Egocentric living, it's all about you, got to go when God drives deep. And so we could go on, you get it. And to some degree, friends, as we heard earlier this morning, as Andy led prayer, it needs our permission for God to go deep. That's why A.W. Tozer, the great 20th century prophet, says that every person is as godly as they want to be. You need to think about that. But every person is as godly as they want to be. In other words, if you don't want to be godly, God's not going to force it. But the passion of God's heart, friends, is that we would allow the tent pegs to grow deep. And so here's the prophetic call, friends, over the next four weeks. It's not to small. It's to double XL. It's not to restriction, to limitation, to lack of imagination. It's to empowerment, to enlargement, to take hold of all that God's done for us. Strengthen the stakes. Drive the tent pegs deep. It means setting clearly the ground. It means sharing widely the loads. It means sinking deep the stakes. And when we'll do that, and when we'll do it together, friends, we can be the strong, emerging church that God's called us to be. We can be the tent that's continually taking new ground. We can be the church that withstands every stormy gust from the enemy. And we can be the people of God that continue to advance in the groundbreaking journey that God's established for this church. For such a time as this, let's pray.